You are listening to the Power of Why podcast. This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Invest Ottawa, the lead economic development agency for knowledge-based industries in Canada's capital, and with critical support from BDC Capital's Thrive Venture Fund, and also the title sponsor of International Women's Week, we teamed up to produce this special series to celebrate women leading in Ottawa. In support of its women founders, and owner strategy. Invest Ottawa offers programs and services that enable and accelerate the growth and success of women entrepreneurs from every walk of life. Visit www.investottawa.ca forward slash women to learn more. So before we start, let me tell you a little bit about Michelle Scarborough. Michelle Scarborough is managing partner of the Thrive Venture Fund and Women in Technology Venture Fund at BDC Capital. She leads the world's two largest venture funds dedicated to supporting and investing in women-led technology businesses, and is recognized as an influential leader in venture capital in Canada. In addition to setting overall strategy, she is responsible for strategic leadership, fund management, and investments across her portfolios. She has led numerous investments, driven exits, and works with female and diverse founders to build what's next, while supporting initiatives to build a sustainable ecosystem for the tech leaders of the future. Michelle joined BDC in 2017 from Kensington Capital Partners, where she managed fund of funds and direct investment activity across Western Canada. She has founded, she has co-founded and managed her own funds, managed family office investments, and has been a founder or co-founder in several private and public companies in technology, energy, and sustainability. Michelle is active in the Canadian tech ecosystem, serving on the Canadian Venture Capital and Private Equity Associations, Diversity and Inclusion Committee, Creative Destruction Labs, Advisory Board, and Venture Capital Association of Alberta's Board of Directors. She is past chair of the National Angel Capital Organization and a co-founder of the Women's Angel Network. Michelle holds a Bachelor of Science and a Bachelor of Arts from the University of Calgary, as well as the Corporate Director designation from the Institute of Corporate Directors. She is also a Kauffman Fellow class of 2006. Michelle is a lover of all things sport and sand, an avid runner, cyclist, and golfer. She's a passionate, she is passionate about lifelong learning, people, and other cultures food and hosting dinner parties, rain or shine. Michelle, thank you so much for being here. I'd love for you to share a little bit about your origin story, kind of how how would you describe your childhood, family life, influences you had growing up? What did you want to be? Oh, wow. So many ways we can have, tackle that question. <laughs> no, look, I mean, I, look, I grew up in Calgary, so I'm a Calgary, Calgary born and born and bred. My early influences were really around family and entrepreneurship from a very early age. So my parents were both entrepreneurs and my grandparents were entrepreneurs. So I kind of came by it honestly. And I was always curious and getting into lots of trouble because I was, you know, constantly out poking and poking around things. But I was also very, it's not weird, but I'm I'm an Aquarius. So those of you who are Aquarians will get this. Very humanitarian, very sort of future looking. So always Mm. sort of how do I help do things? How do I be around people that we can all work together to create a better world? Like all that vision I had when I was a little kid. I used to drive my parents absolutely nuts. But anyway, that's fine. So those were my kind of early influences. And, um, um, you know, always into sports and always sort of working on different things and, and trying different things. So those were my sort of early influences. 
you know, some of the things that really helped me kind of think about what I wanted to be when I grew up again, because I was so curious, I was always, you know, poking into the corners of what other people were doing. So I had lots of early experiences in media. I was, you know, a volunteer for the Red Cross and the Red Cross wanted somebody that could go and be their community liaison and go out into the marketplace and uncover what was happening in the city of Calgary. And so I became that. I didn't ask for it. They gave, they kind of pushed me <laughs> in. But I ended up being on the television network every Friday at noon talking about the community events for the weekend and what people should be doing and just like crazy stuff, right? But but it was fun because it got me seeing a whole bunch of things that I and interacting with people in ways that I would never have done had I not had that kind of experience. And I'm just giving you one example of many of those kinds of examples. But in high school, we had a business and we used to do, you know, social events at the various different community centers and get everybody together and have a big party on the weekends. So those are the kinds of things that were influential to me. When I think about what I wanted to be when I grew up, I really didn't know. I always just thought I'm going to do something that's going to make a big impact on the world. I'm going to have, I'm going to do it with lots of other people. And what that is, I have no idea, but I'm sure it'll come to me. Wow. And it sounds like you had an environment where you did have the agency almost to color outside of the lines and express your creativity in so many different ways, whether that was through sports or, you know, being on TV and promoting all the incredible things that were happening around you. Would you would you say that that was like, was that fostered? Was it encouraged? Or did you experience any resistance towards just the way that you naturally were? No, you know, my, my, uh, Parents were pretty good about just, you know, letting us explore the world. Obviously, there were boundaries. And so, you know, you didn't, if you cross the boundary, you're in trouble. So we did have rules and regulations in the household of what you did. But but outside of that, they were pretty supportive about, you know, what did you want to try? What did you want to do? How far did you want to push? You know, again, you're a kid, right? So within your mm-hmm. limits and within the limits that, are good are healthy but we didn't really have we didn't really have too much in the way of you know you can't do this you can't do that it was more okay well how do you want it there was a lot of conversation that went into you know why do you think you want to do that what's important about it for you how do you Mm -hmm. think that's going to impact you later what impact you, you know and the whole rule in our household was the golden rule so you do unto others as you would have them do unto you so that's kind of how Mm -hmm. lived and uh, my parents were very philanthropic and they helped many people. So we saw that kind of very early on. And that was just something that was a muscle that was already developed, right? So we kind of had that going in proposition as opposed to uh, the other direction, the other way. Right. And I could see how that kind of informs a lot of the work that you're doing today, you know, supporting entrepreneurs. Um, supporting your teams and making sure people have what they need to do well. Um, I I listened to some of your past interviews and you talked about, you know, your early entrepreneurial experiences and ventures were influenced heavily by your father, starting off in the oil and gas industry. And so I'm wondering what that work was like when you're first starting off in business. If you can, you know, paint a little story for us, I think that would be great insight into what you're doing today. Yeah, no, my dad was a huge influence on me. You know, he was, he was entrepreneurial, both within a big organization and 
as he started his own company. So he was very, he was a huge, huge influence on me, both from a business perspective. So just the tangible aspects of, of building a company and then how you lead by example. So he was a big proponent of that. He was quite an innovator and always for how you things better and iterate on things as you kind of, yeah, as you kind of move things forward. Business is very dynamic. It's not static. It doesn't stay in one place and it shouldn't, right? The, we evolve and, and the companies that we're working with and for and building should evolve too. And so that was sort of the big, some of the big things that he gave me. So when I was working with him and then when I was working on my own building, building different companies of my own, it was the same. I kind of carried that same premise into everything that, that we did. And that, that I think set the foundation the right way. And that also makes it easy when to make it any, any conversation around disruption sometimes can be complicated, but it made it more, you could have a discussion around how you were going to do things differently, or if something wasn't working, how you could, you know, go after the problem in a different way with those kind of foundational principles. And so that those influences from him really, um, really were the influences that I took into the companies that I built and certainly the stuff that I do now when I'm uh, working on the other side of the table with uh, uh, in partnership with entrepreneurs. The other big influencer for me, though, was also Milton Wong, who was a philanthropist and a big investor in Vancouver. I spent many years working with him and uh, he was a mentor and a boss and a friend, but his influence was very impactful also in, in a very similar way. So I think I kind of Somehow, by luck of the draw, um, not necessarily by plan, got these very significant male mentors in my life and, and some women too, but, but those two in particular that really kind of had similar things to frame how I needed to show up in the world, both business, in business and, per, and personally, and the ways in which that can influence others. Again, that leading by example kind of uh, uh, frame of reference. So the, those were like, and I, Game and changers. I, and I carry those today. Maybe mm -hmm. I don't do as well as they did, but no, we're, we're a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> we all are. Yes. There's something fascinating that you said about your mentor and who you've, who you actually worked closely with. I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about how critical that was to then going on and building your own businesses? Like, were you working with your mentor, learning the ropes, sitting in on really key conversations before you then ventured on into building your own companies or were you doing them simultaneously? I'm wondering if you could walk us through before, before the woman I'm seeing today in front of me, um, yeah. what did it take really to, to get to where you are? I think it was a little bit of, a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. So leveraging leveraging mentors, not just the, the, you know, my dad and Milton, but others in the market, as well as, you know, just getting out there and doing it and trying a few things, not being afraid to fail. The only limits you have are the limits you put on yourself. And we all have them. We all get that sort of fear of, oh gosh, if I step over the ledge, what's going to happen? Am I going to fall or am I going to stand up? And I never had that fear of I'm going to fail. I never had that. I had more of a I'm going to try it and see what happens. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to try something else. And it's okay because you know what? At some point I'm going to figure it out because mm. I have enough confidence in myself that I know I'm going to be able to figure it out. And so just being able to leverage 
their experience and the experience of others too. I mean, we, when I was working in Vancouver, this is after I left Calgary and I was working in Vancouver and I was part of the uh, Vancouver Board of Trade and we st- established a, co- a, a not-for-profit with un- underneath the banner of the Vancouver Board of Trade and it was called Leaders of Tomorrow. And it was an organization established for young people graduating from university and just entering the workforce. And I was a little bit older. I was, you know, in my, I'll say, early 30s at that time, which I'm totally dating myself now, but okay. Um <laughs> But, uh, but it was really interesting because what we did was we double clicked on being able to put mentors together with students that were just like literally graduating and going mm-hmm. into the workforce one year. Being a part of that, as well as helping to facil- facilitate that, actually stepped me up because I could see not just mentors that were working with the the kids that were graduating, the students that were graduating, but also some of the students that were graduating were really, really outstanding individuals. So when I was setting up companies, I was also looking at, oh, there's a huge talent pool there of like mm-hmm. really smart people that can come and do a whole bunch of these things and get some experience. So for me, it kind of was both ways and, and in parallel path and getting those companies up and running and, and in building the network, which is half of it too, right? You do need you do need a network around you, even if it's just to go for a beer on a Friday night. Go, what am I doing? Like, I must be crazy and I should get a real job instead of trying this stuff. Those those are the kinds of things that really, really help. I don't know if that's answering your question, but. Yeah, it does. Certainly it, was a combi- it was a combination of all of those things put together. That, mm-hmm. And then being able to, you know, bounce ideas off of people. And like I said, just, you know, be a part of a network that could support you in ways that you kind of weren't anticipating. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that context. More recently, well, this was at this point, we're 2023. In 2017, you joined BDC Capital. There's incredible work happening over at BDC. And I'm wondering if you can paint a picture for us what your day-to-day looks like. We shared a little bit in your bio. And I guess the the centerpiece is really supporting entrepreneurs, supporting women entrepreneurs, get into the market, compete globally, get capital under their under their belt so that they could, you know, essentially grow their companies. And so with such a, a big and huge responsibility, how do you focus on like prioritizing what's most important for you and your team? Oh, well, the priorities shift every single day, uh, depending on what's going on both in the market and outside of the market, as well as what's happening within the, both the companies that are in our portfolio and those teams, those are part of our extended family and portfolio, potential portfolio companies, people we might be talking to in the market that we might want to invest in, maybe not today, but maybe later that we're building a relationship with. So the priorities do change. I mean, uh, when we started the fund in 2017, we basically had a white sheet of paper and, you know, it was really, what are we going to do to solve the issue of, women not getting access to um, venture capital financing. We knew it was a huge gap. It was a gap when I was building companies and certainly it was a gap when I was on the other side of the table working in, in the various different funds that I was part of. You know, taking taking stock of where we, where we started in 2017 to today is substantial. Um, we built the first fund, which was $200 million. And now we've launched the, the Thrive platform, which is 500 million. When we think about prioritizing today, 
we think about how do we support the 29 portfolio companies that remain in the Women in Tech Fund? What do those portfolio companies need? How can we as a team support that? And it's not just capital I'm talking about. I'm talking about networks and access to talent and potentially access to customers, including BDC if it works. You know, all of the things that you would think about that you're going to need to build a globally scaling business. And then also looking at the same time at new opportunities and what do those opportunities look like and who are those entrepreneurs and how, what can we bring that adds value to them? Again, not just about the money, but about the, the, the whole, the whole of them and the whole of the company and what, what can we do to support that? Um, those are the kinds of, those are the kinds of priorities that are kind of the things that I toggle between and have the team toggling between. And it changes every day, depending on what's happening. I'm wondering, um, you mentioned that this market, and this might have been in our previous conversation, that this market is a little funky, like we're in a funky market right now. What does that mean tangibly for folks who are not in the same seat as you and seeing those things every single day? Yeah, well, I mean, you can just look at the stock market. That'll give you a bit of an idea. <laughs> up and down and all around and who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And everybody's trying to predict the crystal ball and nobody really knows, right? So that's that's kind of what I mean by a funky market. What it means for entrepreneurs though is the following. You really do need to focus on what you're building and who your customers are and serve the customers as you, you know, again, it's the do unto others as you would have them do unto you sort of principle. You have customers paying for a service or a software or a hardware or whatever it is that you're trying to build. Um, make sure those customers are like your family. Serve them well. Take care of their needs so they stay with you. If the technology that you're building or the, the service that you're providing, you don't quite feel as though it's fitting, ask your customers for some advice on how you can help make it better. How do you improve it? Get the advice directly from them. We do that as a fund. I'm constantly asking the entrepreneurs in the market. Okay, so, you know, we're doing this. We can always improve. How do we need to do that better? What are the things that might still be lacking that we need to be thinking about? Maybe not for this fund, but for fund, the next fund. Or, you know, what does that expanded view look like? But always with that customer-centric approach, that's first and foremost, because those are the people that are going to pay for your yeah. service. Keeping them happy and then keeping your, your team happy so that your team and you are coordinated and you're all leading that down that same path is also super important. If you've got cracks at the foundation and the culture is, is not quite there, what mm -hmm. are the things you need to do to solve for that? Because when those two things are working really well, you can go great places. You can go a long way because you're working together as a collective to build something bigger than yourselves. Individual contributions, great, but really it's that collective mentality and that collective movement. When, when, no matter what your company is, it doesn't really matter, but it's that collective movement that will allow you to continue to, to move forward and to build something that's going to have value. And in this market, that's more important than ever. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned earlier, you know, as a fund, providing more than just capital, that that strategic insight, being a strategic partner for your portfolio companies is just as important, right? And so these are some of the things that you've mentioned 
being customer centric. Um, I'm wondering of the companies that you are funding, what are the most common things that you're seeing beyond what you just shared that, that, that they're coming to you and, and really trying to problem solve and, and think more intentionally about what are some of the things that come to service or. So the most common things are talent. You know, how do I, how do I find talent? How do I, you know, last year we had the great resignation. Everybody was leaving. Everybody was jumping to different jobs and going here and everywhere. The great awakening has now happened. And, you know, we've had a reset where talent's been let go of a number of companies and lots of of, uh, people in the market now. So talent is a big one. How do I identify top talent? How do I manage and retain talent? And then if I need to, if I need to downsize, how do I do that? And what is the most human way to downsize an organization so that you make sure you do the best you can for the people that you're, that are staying and and for those that are leaving. So we have lots of conversations around talent and we spend a lot of time working with the companies on what does that mean, right? How do you think about it? What resources do you have inside of your business, depending on whether you're very early stage or you're much later stage, those things obviously differ, but it's, it's probably the biggest topic and has been the biggest topic in the last sort of 12 months. And it won't, that won't go away anytime soon, I don't think. And it really shouldn't, talent should always be a top of mind discussion. Um, the other big thing that, that everybody's looking at is how do I manage cash flow? How do I think about making sure that I have enough cash runway to manage the company, keep my customers happy? Um, so that I see little churn, but also so that I can grow, even if it's uh, organically without any cap- new capital coming in. How do I think about that? So that's another big, huge one. And then the third piece is, as I think about expanding, even if it's incremental expansion, what do I need to do in order to, to make that shift happen? So expansion can be you know, in a region, or it can be expansion because you're opening up a new channel, uh, you're developing a strategic partnership, there's various different ways in which expansion occurs. But how do I think about that? And then do I have the right people around me to make sure that I can do that? Or what, what other resources could I leverage? Um, You know, maybe it's, maybe it's talking to some other portfolio companies, maybe it's talking to some people at one of the local accelerators, depending again on your on your stage. But how do I get access to people that maybe have done this before, hopefully have done this before, that can help me set the systems that I need up in the right way so that I don't have to repeat the same mistakes everybody else has made. Enough people have made the mistakes that there's enough of a talent pool now. We should be able to create some playbooks around some of this stuff and eliminate some hassle for new entrepreneurs in particular that want to attack a certain market and uh, and not have to, you know, bang their head against the wall because they haven't figured out how to go from a, just a direct sales to a channel sales strategy, right? Like some of these things are well proven at this point. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's also a benefit of being a part of a, a, a network and an ecosystem like yours is that you're working with so many different companies um that you get to see what's working what's not working and really advise companies on the best way forward i mentioned i alluded to this before just the 
the response, like the huge responsibility that you folks have for for the audience with within BDC Capital, they have over six billion under management, um, and they're supporting some of Canada's most innovative firms. I'm wondering for you, Michelle, what does this responsibility mean to you personally, and how do you hope to really see the impact that you make in the technology ecosystem, supporting entrepreneurs? Like, where where do you hope that the work that you do leads entrepreneurs, leads companies, leads this country as well in the future. Yeah, well, it's a, you know, it's a big, I don't think you really appreciate how managing funds, managing venture capital funds or private equity and so on, it's not for the faint of heart, I will tell you. You have to really, you have to really want to do this and you have to really understand what it means because it's not just about doing a deal and investing in a company and being cool and, you know, whatever <laughs> it's uh, you are, you have a huge responsibility both to the people that have given you the money that mm-hmm. have trusted you with that capital to deploy that in a very honorable and, and with integrity way into companies that you believe are going to be great uh, investment opportunities into the, and into those teams and then in addition, those teams you need to trust with the same amount of integrity to be able to steward that capital to, you know, the right, to do the right things uh, in the best interest of their of the company and in the best interest of all the shareholders. So there's a whole cascading effect that takes place. And it's, um, it's not for the faint of heart when you think about just the, just the that. gravity of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and then have to get all that back right? Plus some, right? Like now we have to return it all plus whatever the profits are. So it's not a, it's, it's not a, it's a, it's a a significantly more difficult job than most people would uh, think, but it is also one of the most honorable and most rewarding things and super humbling. Like I'm humbled every day that I get to actually do this and work with people that are so cool. Like these people are, some of these people are amazing. Well, most of them are amazing. And um, they're doing things that get like half the time you don't even think about because you're, you know, in your own little world. Right. So I just go, wow, this is like amazing. Like, really, we can we can do autonomous driving and long haul trucking. Cool. OK, I want to do that. That's that sounds fun. What do you mean we can do drug discovery in a minute and not have to spend five years thinking about it in a lab and working on, you know, animal studies? It's like, that's awesome. Like, we should do more of that. So <laughs> there's some, there's real reward in that, but it's also, you know, measured in the reality of like, holy crap, this is, this is really big. I think if I look forward and the impact that I, that I would like our funds to have and just me personally to have, I would love to see a world where we have diversity in all of the funds, where we're talking about investing in the most amazing entrepreneurs ever. And those entrepreneurs could be women, they could be LBGTQ, they could be Indigenous, they could be BIPOC, they pick it, what, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because we've gotten away from uh, from some of the, the issues that are currently facing. I want to see the world where we're investing in the best entrepreneurs, the best leaders, building a great company, building great teams, you know, making Canada a place where people actually want to be here, create things, and know that that's an environment they can do that in. Yeah, 
It's so funny, but at the beginning of this episode, you mentioned that that was like your vision when you were first starting off, you know, as a young person, that you wanted to just work with great people, solving really cool problems. Um, And it's beautiful to see the way that that has really transpired for you in your life, you know, as someone who... (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like, huh, never really thought about that. But yeah, that's kind of worked out. Mm Hmm. I wonder if you can speak to, like, you lead teams, you lead really great teams, really strong teams who are, as you mentioned earlier, all in their own bubble, working on different things. You folks are coming together and you mentioned you just want everyone to be moving towards the same mission and really feel aligned in that. And so I'm wondering, as a leader, what are some of the things that have really helped you develop talent, support individuals so that they have the right resources they need to be the best that they can be, you know, working in this, in this organization? Yeah. So it's a good, it's a really good question and it's, it's evolving. I will tell you that it's evolving. Um, we have a very new team. Team's been, some of the team members have been with me in fund one, um, but we have a number probably half of our team is new for the Thrive Venture Fund and the platform itself. So so we're we're kind of re um, reviewing some of what we're gonna do. We've got some best practices that help us, but you know, first the first alignment is around do you believe in the mission? And if you believe in the mission, then everything else can fall from there. If you believe in the mission, you are curious, you are, you've got, you know, some background, obviously, in, in the space, either as an entrepreneur or an investor, and we have both in a team. Um, and they're very complementary skill sets. And so we want to make sure that that's covered, because also, we want to look like our, our, our audience. And we want to make sure that we can serve our audience in the best way. And so if we don't look like our audience, and we're not as diverse as them, it's going to make it really hard for us to do our job really well. So we take a lot of time and have taken a lot of time at the front end to make sure that we recruit for that. And then from a leadership development perspective, what we're looking at now is things like, you know, to be a great investor is not just about sitting down and writing a few models and being able to put numbers into the spreadsheet and something pops out the other end. It's really about developing an intuition and being um having an appetite to be a good partner. So what does that mean? Um, it could mean many things like we talked about. It. it could be a coach. It could be a mentor. It could be your, you know, advisor at four in the morning. It could be that, you know, we're having coffee on the weekend because there's an issue that's come up overnight and not sure how to deal with it. Or in a lot of cases, it's personal stuff, right? Like they need somebody just to talk to. So developing that skill takes time. It's, you know, EQ and IQ and, and it develops over time and it develops with that honesty and integrity and experience that you get. So those are the kinds of things that we foster and that, that we're trying to build into, call it a systems approach with the team in addition to just the technical skills that they need. The technical skills are one thing and super, super important because we steward that capital and we need to be very, very respectful of that and Mm -hmm. make sure that we return it the way in which we've given it out or invested it. At the same time, we want to develop that other sort of intrinsic muscle, the social skill muscle, so that people are very 
good at working with those entrepreneurs and understanding, you know, the highs and lows of being an entrepreneur are where we live them exactly the same way with the entrepreneur as they do. So when mm-hmm. the company's on a high, we're right there with you. And when they're on a low and the management team's like, we need some help. It's like, okay, we're all in. right there with you on a start. So, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of that. And, um, I think that's one of the things that, that, you know, is a competitive advantage. Um, but it's also something that BDC really spends a lot of time talking about, thinking about and working on. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that, Michelle. There's so much that you folks are really imparting onto others, right? Like the investment that you folks are making, the effort, the time, energy, everything. Um, I'm wondering for you throughout your career and more specifically today, like what's the best investment that you've ever made in yourself? And it doesn't necessarily need to be financial. It could be a decision to start, I don't know, boxing that has been really positively impacted your life. What has that been for you? Um, so I'd say two things. One of them is uh, I had have the fortune of being part of the Coffin Fellows which has been like amazing. That organization and the people uh, within that organization, the people that are part of the Fellows Network are some of the most incredible individuals I've had the opportunity to meet and to learn from. And the Fellows Network is not about a network of professionals. That's definitely there. We're all, you know, type A, high-performing venture capital investors. And so we've all got that sort of, you know, brain. Um, but the human side of what they bring to the table is is really unique and very, they're awesome. So that's one. The other is, I think now, you know, we talked about this earlier, the finding balance, helping to kind of get that organized still a work in progress so I'm all open to like people have other ideas they should share mm-hmm. um, but just setting my um, my workouts in the calendar and being very intentional about when I need to take the break to go and run in the trails which I haven't been doing a lot of lately but you know are going to see the you know my trainer who's been trying to get me you know back into like great shape but spending the time and being intentional about putting that in the calendar so I have to do it mm-hmm. as opposed to letting it slip because somebody called and you know they need me right away like, they'll wait an hour usually like it's okay if it's an hour fine it'll be fine so but being more intentional about that is has been one of the things that I've struggled to do because again I prefer to like help everybody else but if I don't take care of me first, yeah. it will be very hard for me to take care of other people. So that sort of rewiring of my own brain to say, okay, I need to do me first. And then y'all be, you'll, you'll get the best of me if I get to take care of this. So that's where we're going. That's the honest assessment. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. And I think... I don't know whether it's like an accountability partner or something. Michelle, did you go for your, you know, did you get to that morning program? walk? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, thank you, Michelle. This was such a great conversation. I feel like 
we really learned a lot about what you're kind of navigating on a day-to-day and also the questions that you're asking yourself. And I think you also offered some really great insights for people who have their own business or considering starting one that kind of have to be all in. It's not something that you're, you know, half in considering or half out, but um, really embracing the opportunities that are out there. Um, the last question that I typically ask on the show is what's one thing happening in your industry that you're closely monitoring right now? Every other oh. guest talked about AI. So if you. <laughs> <laughs> well, AI is kind of table stakes for us. So I monitor it less um, because it's, it's really, you know, we're kind of already living it. I'm monitoring it less. I think the thing that I'm monitoring the most is where it's gonna sound very Canadian to me, where is the puck going? There are major shifts happening on our planet, major shifts happening socially. What does the world need to look like or what can the world look like? And what does technology help us do to get there? And then look at where where are the companies, what what do the companies need to look like? in order to serve that the best and then start to think about where those companies might be and can we create them here? So not an AI solution necessarily, although AI will definitely be foundational to that, you know, generational AI and and other, and other forms of machine learning, but, but more importantly, where do we want to see the world be? What kind of a world do we want to be living in in the next five years? And then how does technology help us get there? And then how do we create it here in order to be world leaders uh, Mm -hmm. taking us to that next level? So that's very futuristic of me, I know, but that's where I'm thinking. Yeah. And and having that clear vision for, that's a great question. I think regardless of what field you're in, you should be thinking about, right? Because sometimes you look out and doesn't look so positive in terms of where we're going, but I think asking those questions and seeing what everyone can do at an individual and at a team at a company level, um, that matters. It does matter. Yeah. I think you flip it, right? Instead mm-hmm. of being in the, in the negative energy, flip it yep. into the, so what could the future state look like and put your energy to that. Mm-hmm. And if we all did that, just that one thing and flipped our energy. So it was focused on that positive view yeah. of, we don't have to, it doesn't, we don't need to solve it necessarily. We don't need to have the answers, but we need to have the vision that we can create something that allows mm-hmm. us to be in a better place. And so if we did that alone, that energy would then start to get you thinking creatively about what can be done to solve it. Absolutely. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for making the time to speak with us today. I really appreciate it. And for the audience, thank you for listening. We will catch you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Power of Why podcast. You can find the show notes at naomihaile.com forward slash podcast. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the Power of Why on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was brought to you in collaboration with Invest Ottawa and with critical support from BDC Capital's Thrive Venture Fund, title sponsor of International Women's Week 2023. We teamed up to produce this special series in celebration of International Women's Week featuring six inspirational leaders. Visit www.investottawa.ca forward slash IWW to learn more.